Hello and welcome to Philosophy with Will Anderson. I am Will Anderson from the title of the podcast. I have a tour. It's called Will Informed. It starts at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival on March 27th. That's my plug. Uh, come and see the show. It'll be uh, loose early and it'll get better as the festival goes on. That's, that's not a very good sales point. It'll be great when it starts and it'll even be greater when I know what I'm doing. <laughs> so I'm terrified. I'm absolutely terrified, but uh, that is a very natural reaction, I am sure. And it's fine, guys. Please buy tickets. I really do need you to come. It'll be much harder for me to get it right if there's no audience there to tell me which bits are good or not. So come uh, early. I guarantee you 60 minutes of uh, quality entertainment, no matter how long it takes. So... Uh, <laughs> So, uh, Dan Sultan, uh, this is the second part of the Dan Sultan philosophy, but it is the one we recorded eight months ago. If you are listening to this one first, stop, stop right now, turn off this podcast. Well, if you stop right now, you're not even hearing this bit, but I assume that you're still listening. But after I've said this, stop, go back to the other episode, listen to that first and then listen to this one. And in fact, if you do that, I don't even have to explain what this one is, but I'm going to anyway, because this is what I do in these intros. About nine months ago, I sat down with Dan Sultan. Uh, this is the conversation that we had at my house about uh, nine months ago. It was a brilliant chat, but then in the week uh, following it, some shit went down in Dan's life and we never released it. Uh, Dan has uh, come back. We've done a whole brand new podcast about what has happened since then, which is the other episode that you should have stopped this and anyway, you've come back to this. Maybe you stopped, you've gone back to... Anyway, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you're doing with your life. What do you want from me, people? Why am I yelling at... I'm just yelling at myself and the voices in my own head. So anyway, here's the thing. This is part two of the Dan Sultan. Listen to the other one first. Listen to this one second. Um, I think you're going to enjoy them both. But together, um, I hope that you really enjoy them. Uh, thank you very much for listening to the podcast. Thank you to Podcast Mike, who helps me uh, put all this together and help me coordinate getting Dan back to do both of these episodes. And uh, thank you to Mike Hell, of course, my producer, who edits all together. James Fosdyke, who does all the amazing art and has had to uh, do it twice uh, for these episodes as well. So I hope you really enjoy these episodes. I hope you listen to them both together. And uh, thanks very much for listening. Hello and welcome to Philosophy with Will Anderson. This uh, is a cool episode. I'm very excited to have our next guest here. He's uh, a man that I'm a huge fan of his work. And uh, in the you know times that we've had an opportunity to sit down and have a beer and have a chat, I've also been a great fan of his company. So it's very nice <laughs> to have him here today. Uh, the podcast starts like this with everybody. I ask, who are you? Uh, I'm Dan Sultan. And um, I'm a musician most of the time. Um, sometimes... Bit of an amateur chef at home, a dish doer, house husband, um, dog owner, a tragic St Kilda fan, and a uh, bit of a nerd. Okay, firstly, it, they're all good things. I, I want to explore <laughs> each and every body, one of those. That's right. Let's, How long have we got? Let's start with the easiest one first. Um, St Kilda. It, tragic St Kilda <laughs> supporter. Uh, yeah. One of my great friends, I have a footy podcast and uh, it, it, it's called Two Guys, One Cup. And the reason was when we started it, I'm a Bulldog supporter. He's a Saints supporter. Between us, we'd only won one cup. Yeah, each. And excellent. That was the thing that we used to bond over was our lack of success but obviously the 2016 flag by the bulldogs has really ruined the power dynamic have in you our changed relationship. no well no changed. i feel guilty I, you know what i have 
I have survivor's guilt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. I feel now, I, yeah. now I can't talk footy around him because... Like the, the guys on the Titanic that yeah. made it off, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, where did the love of St Kilda come from? How? When did you first, like, you know, fall in love with the game of AFL? Uh, it's genetic. Yeah. It's, uh, I didn't have a choice, um, like a lot of us, you know. A lot of people choose their teams, but I think the majority of Melbourneites anyway... Uh, you, it's thrust upon you, you know, this is who you go for. It happens very young before you remember. There's photos of you in a, in a beanie or something like that, you know. Um, yeah, it was my, my father grew up in, in Black Rock, uh, down past St Kilda on the bay. Um, his family were North... His father's side were North Melbourne supporters and um, mother's side were St Kilda supporters. And I think, yeah, obviously St Kilda won out. Good old uh, working class Irish Catholic teams... <laughs> you know, that used to be a real thing as well, which I was talking to Dad about. There was really, not so much these days, but there was really a, a big divide, you know, with the Catholicism and whether it's sort of, you know, Irish Catholic or, or Protestant and sort of more working class or more upper class sort of sides, which uh, I don't think people really think about these days, which is great. You know, it's good, but I think it's interesting. You know, I'm interested in history as well as football. So um, I think that's a really interesting way to look at it as well. I know that Dad said... You know, North Melbourne, there are a lot of, you know, police officers and working class people who went for North Melbourne and that was kind of the thing. And then, you know, you've got teams like, um, you know, Hawthorne and others, you know, that are sort of on the other side of things. And it's still still pretty much the same in a lot of ways, <laughs> you know. I always found that pretty interesting, though. You think about that thing, those sort of things being something that happens more overseas and, you know, obviously uh, more prominent overseas, you know, to this day. But... um. Yeah, it was a big thing back in the day. It's it's kind of amazing to me, AFL football, in the tribalism aspect it's of heavy. it. Because if you look at, you know, international sport, you know, for example, um, you know, most cities have one team. Like maybe in the EPL, you know, Manchester's got two teams mm. or whatever. But in a general sense, uh, you know, in the American NFL, you know, your states will have their own teams. But it's rare that you have a city that has more than one team. Whereas in the AFL, there's like... 10 Victorian teams so yeah. there's still a, an element of like you know, tribalism of what those suburbs used to represent and what those teams represent absolutely and look even to the point where Geelong is still pretty much considered an interstate team right you know <laughs> it's only 80 kilometers down the road or however far it is you know even at that point it's mental and I love it you know um, I love that we've we, we bounce the ball and no one knows what, what's going to happen and I love that no one really knows the rules. Um, my girlfriend's recently moved down from Sydney. And, of course, I took her to a football match for one of our first dates in Sydney, actually. So it was a bit of a soft landing for her. But I said to her during the game, I said, so do you understand why they keep stopping and starting and throwing the ball up and things are, you know, whistles keep blowing? She goes, no, not at all. I go, it's yeah, okay, because nobody does. Yeah, Don't worry about do it. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and we were... It was actually an Indigenous round, which is last year, about a year ago now. Yeah, and, well, um, almost exact when we're recording this, because exactly, yeah. this weekend is uh, Sir Doug Nichols' round, which is the Indigenous round in the mm. AFL. So we were there, I was actually performing at the SCG, and we were there, ended up watching the game, I think it was Hawthorne-Sydney, with a bunch of, you know, footballers, you know, ex-footballers, um, you know, AFL footballers, and I said, look, they don't even know. Why? <laughs> Why the game keeps stopping? So I said, you, you pretty much understand as much as anybody else does. <laughs> you know? It's also one of those great games Which where I've 
heard this been told a lot of times, but Lee Matthews, uh, you know, uh, recognised probably as, you know, if not the greatest, he was mm. named the greatest footballer of the last, you know, century. And, you know, top five, you know, all-time AFL, you know, footballers, regardless of who's having the argument. That's you know, right, yeah. his name would always be in it. And it's one of the things that I love about the game of AFL and is that it's a game for all shapes and sizes because, you know, if you went into the NFL and you, like, pointed at Tom Brady and went, he's the best player in the game, you go, yep, that makes sense. Yeah. He looks like a guy who's the best player in the game. Whereas in the AFL, which is the most athletic sport in the entire world, <laughs> if you go up to that short, kind of dumpy bloke with yeah. the moustache and go, see that bloke? Yeah. Yeah, best bloke who ever played the David game. David Boone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's it's easily, yeah, commonly, yeah, no, that's actually Lee Matthews. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's good. Well, it's kind of indicative of the whole deal. It's like, who knows what's going to happen with the ball or with the rules and whether that guy's going to kick the most goals or whether that guy's going to be named the best player. I like you know. that. I, li- I like y- the crazy. way that you think about that because that's also what I like about the game, that so much of it is about interpretation. You know, there are yeah. certain certain <laughs> games that are very much about these are the rules, you know, it works exactly like this, yeah. whereas the game of AFL is like, if the, A, if they enforced every free kick that was technically there, the game would just grind to a halt. There wouldn't be any marks. There'd yeah. be no pack marks. No, they just pick one every now and again they to go, enforce. oh yeah, that's a mark. Interpreta- it's ridiculous interpretation yeah. it's just like well the rules are the rules yeah, yeah. but they're more suggestions yeah. than anything else <laughs> you know it's hilarious uh, I love that. we mentioned uh, the indigenous round in the afl mm. and this is something that's always been of great interest to me because uh the indigenous population of australia is something somewhere around three or four percent of the population mm. and uh, in the AFL, it's it's more on their list, more like 11 or 12% of the AFL list. And probably in this country, and, and, and please uh, forgive me if I'm being incredibly naive here, but mm-hmm. I can't imagine too many other industries where Indigenous people have been given the opportunity to earn the money they have and have the acclaim and fame and, you know, have a, you know, a whole group of Indigenous people in well-paid, high-powered positions is that well yeah i think you raise a good point and i think that kind of speaks volumes about where we're at you know i think um you know for someone to be able to you know break through a lot of the uh you know um you know a lot of the bullshit that comes along with being an aboriginal person you know they either have to be good at footy or a good dancer and singer or you know what i mean they can't be you know, a good account yeah or something and, or and of course they can yes. of course just like anybody can but it's kind of like there's this perception that that that's kind of the way and it's kind of it's uh you know it's kind of prevalent in a lot of places you know around the world with marginalized people it's like you know you hear about people getting out of you know a heavy situation a transgenerational you know poverty you know because they can play a sport really well or because they're a great entertainer you know what I mean? Because, you know, the usual routes of being able to have opportunities to, you know, get, you know, educated to be able to, you mentioned accountant, just for, you know, example or whatever, it's just, it's not available to these people, you know. So, look, it's it's a shame. But with, with that, being Aboriginal, it's, you know, you've got to be twice as good to get half as much, you know, and it's the same in my industry and it's the same in every industry. And some sometimes it's even more full on, you know, and... um you know, a, a good footy player is a good footy player and a, a good singer is a good singer. I've spent my whole career saying that I'm not an Aboriginal artist. You know, I'm an artist who happens to be Aboriginal. 
you know, and that sometimes I've been in interviews where people go, now you don't like to identify as Aboriginal, which is just ridiculous. You know, of course I do. You know, that, it's not it's, whether I like to or not is beside the point, but I'm very proud of who I am and where I'm from. But, you know, I'm a singer-songwriter, you know, and sometimes I sing about stuff that, you know, i got a song called Drover, which is, you know, a pretty recent release, which is about the Wave Hill walk-off, you know, and then i got a song about, you know, or a million songs about my ex-girlfriends. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like... You know, it's sort of yeah. Look, I want to be able to write a song about my ex girlfriend. I'm very lucky that well. I get to travel the country and and the world every every year or so, and you know, perform songs to people whinging about my ex girlfriend. So right. that's that's you know, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate to be able to do that. Well, you want to be able to have that opportunity to like you know, paint from a broad palette, right? Well, it's yeah, a lot of it's fiction, you know, and I write a lot of stuff that's happened to me, but a lot of it's fiction, and you know, being a writer, um. You know, you kind of there's no there's no rules really. You know what I mean. So I don't really fit into a, a genre or a, a category. You know, and sort of what I mentioned before about being an artist and just being an artist and not necessarily a, a Melbourne artist or an Aboriginal artist or a St Kilda fan artist. You know, it's like I'm an artist. You know, that can you know people kind of want to put you somewhere or want to know where you fit. And you know, the fact is is that you know, like a lot of us writers and artists and creatives i mean we have never really fit anywhere you know what i mean whether it's at school or you know in the workplace you know or um or anywhere so you know that's that's interesting to me though because like i mean obviously there's not much you can do about the how society categorizes you to a certain extent right people are always going to want to put you in one box or another you know and it often has more to do with the way they see the world than anything to do with you of course but I am more interested in that idea of how you as an artist stop those voices from being in your head. And like, I mean, from my perspective, you know, I was writing a story, you know, for my comedy festival tour this year. And there were a few different times where I stopped and like let other people's voices get in my head about how I should tell the story. Mm. And I go, oh, maybe I should do it like this person I admire would do it. Or maybe I should, you know, structure it in a way that this person that, you know, or I would have that negative voice in my head going, you've got to say this or do this or do it in this way. And then kind of finally getting to the point where you're like, well, hang on, this is my story. And the one thing that I can at least do is tell it in the way that I want to tell this story. So what's your process like in, you know, kind of shutting out external voices and influences and kind of finding your way to tell your stories? Uh, Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I've I've always kind of felt that I don't really have a process, you know. Um, I still feel like, you know, if there are times when I do pay more attention to what's going on outside of my own head, you know, um, as far as in the creative process, then that's still a part of my process and that's still a part of how I'm doing things, you know. Um, so it's still what I've decided to do and it's still the way that I've wanted to do it, you know. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Look, a friend of mine, you know, in early on, you know, 10 years ago when I started getting reviews and I started getting noticed more and stuff like that, She'd been through it a lot. I'll spare her her, her, her blushes, but she, you know, she was very famous when she was, you know, through through her teenage years and into, her, um, you know, becoming becoming an adult and uh, kind of cooled down a bit and then kind of came back up and cooled down and stuff like that, as these things tend to do. Um, and she just said, "Look, just take it with a grain of salt." You know, um, they're going to say nice things and they're going to say things that aren't so nice, and people are going to tell stories. Some of them are going to be true, 
you know, and some of them aren't. And so just don't. So I find what I do is I just, I don't, I don't read uh, the press or reviews or I try to not, not listen, you know. I mean, the people that I'm really close with and stuff, if they, need, if, I, if they feel like I need to be told something, then, you know, which has happened, you know, more than once, you know. <laughs> um, you know, of course, you, you know, that's, um, that's just people wanting to help out, you know, who you trust. So that's different. But as far as, as far as actually, you know, listening to what people have to say who don't, know anything about you or you know know anything about your process or or how you feel about things um i've found it better to not listen at all and it's not that i don't care what they say it's that i care too much right. you know what i mean i've been on tour with mates and they'll be reading the reviews and they'll be on on the internet and they'll be on the blogs straight away after the show and they'll be going this person said this this person said that and i just kind of go oh, i don't know how you can do that you know, but they're actually kind of a lot more secure than I am because they can read it and still do what they're doing and feel like they're doing the right thing. Whereas I'd read it and I'd just be, you know, devastated and heartbroken because I want everyone to love me because I'm so bloody insecure, you know what I mean? In a really productive way, you know. So when I say that I don't read it, it's not that I don't care. It's the opposite, actually. It's that I care too much. So I found my way and I found my, my sort of groove, you know, and how I like to do that. And uh, I'm sort of sticking to it. It's working so far. I, I like that aspect though, because I relate to that a lot, which is mm. like that idea of not <laughs> not reading it, not because you don't care, but because you care too much. Yeah. You know? Or that you'll carry it around or you'll let it play in your mind. Oh, or yeah. The fact is, the truth of it is that I always think that, that there's no, there's nothing that anyone could ever say about me that I haven't already thought about myself but if I see it it just reinforces that I was right when I thought at that time <laughs> none of this is news to me yeah that's if right. like you're just a blah 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 I'd be like oh I thought that was true yeah Finally, it's <laughs> well that's right you see in others what you see in yourself you know what right. I mean and it's just like yeah you know some things are gonna you know ring a bit truer than other things I just think it, it's easier for me if I just uh yeah, if I just kind of block it off. Look, it, that's good. So, but I, that was what I wanted to touch on was that idea of like self-preservation, like yeah, building exactly. a world that where you say, you know, if someone comes up to you and pulls your coattails and says, "Hey, Dan, I think you know, in this situation, you know, this was," and you go, "Oh, great, I trust you, and thank you for like giving me that information." But I don't need to just read it on Twitter after a show. No. So yeah. let's walk through some of the other things, and we'll come back to blocked. It. I, yeah. Blocked. <laughs> Blocked. <laughs> it's crazy. I'm not saying it's right and I'm not saying it's constructive yeah. or healthy yeah. in any way. But it's, uh, it's, it's, it's the only way I can get through the day. So. How do you take that sort of feedback from people in your life when, you know, things are offered to you? If there is uh, a time where, you know, you need somebody to you know, give you a talk to, are you good at taking that on board immediately? Do you, what, what, you know? Not immediately. You know, look, it's you know, it's embarrassing at times. It can be if you if you've if you've um, not been your best, you know, and you kind of know it, and someone will kind of go, who you know, who, who you trust, and you know, who you might be working with, or something like that, and someone will come up to you and say, hey, you know, it is, it's embarrassing, you know. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's not never really nice when you when your loved ones have to feel like they have to, um, you know, give you a bit of a heads up. You know, it's not, you know, but at the end of the day, in the long run, as soon as, you, as soon as I get my head out of my ass and get over myself a bit, then, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's all positive, you know. And I can say that now, 
sitting here with you. Yeah. Things are okay. Haven't really fucked up that much lately, so... <laughs> I've fucked up a bit lately. Have so. you really? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's have a cup of tea. Anyway, the Saints, right? Yeah. Hey, um, but I do want to ask you about the nature of working with others because your latest project is all about collaboration. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, Briggs, who's been on this podcast before as well, um, you know, who I just absolutely fucking adore and think mm. is, you know, doing amazing things. You know, you did some <laughs> yeah. co- collaborating with what, uh, you know, with AB Original, yeah. you know, as well. Like, Talk to me about the idea of working with other people. I'm always fascinated in, you know, what you get out of that process and, you know, you know what, what it's like in that process. I imagine working with each of these different people involves different elements of, you know, you working with others as well. I love it. You know, I've always collaborated. Um, I mean, it can be, you know, unhealthy as well. You know, I've, I've had a long, long-term collaboration with someone who I no longer do, which, you know, got to the point where it was just a, ended up a bit toxic, you know, and so that had to that had to stop. And being a writer and not writing songs for three years, you know, a song or starting a song but not finishing anything. I mean, it's not good. It's 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 awful, you know. Um so it can be, you know, you gotta for me it's about I got a really short attention span. So for me it's about keeping myself motivated, keeping myself interested and doing things that are different. So working with people, and I love getting into a room at the start of the day and you don't know what's going to happen. Um, and someone's got an idea that they might have had for years or they might have just thought of it the day before or that morning. And by the end of the day, it's a hook and, you know, you got it in your head and you kind of can't imagine the day without it, you know. I think it's a really magical thing. It doesn't always work. Sometimes you go in there and you just fart around and nothing really gets done. Um, but... You know, most, but even that's fine as well. You know, what I mean, I mean, it's it's a muscle. You know, as you know, I mean, you know, to 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 constantly be putting out content, even if no one else gets it or it doesn't get released or anything, but just in your spirit and in your mind and your you know creative muscle to constantly be working that, you know, um, is important. You know, and um, it's a good thing. You know, I I really enjoy. Um, collaborating and you mentioned this latest EP with Briggs and Trials um, and uh, Meg Mac and Camp Cope and Dave from from Gang of Youth you know I mean with with Camp Cope and AB Original like I pretty much just said go whatever you want to do just make it sound like you guys you know and you know I've uh, I worked a lot on on Killer the album that came out last year and at the time I probably you know I probably definitely wouldn't have been uh, able to just hand over my songs, you know, because I was really, really attached. But once it's out there and it's, you know, then I'm happy for people to to go for it, you know, because I'm already sort of thinking about the next thing. You know, again, short attention span, you know, and, yeah, for me to stay interested and stay motivated, I need to do things differently. And I'd never done something like this with with the EP. I mean, obviously, I collaborated a lot and written songs with people um, and performed with people a lot, different people. But actually putting a release out like this, um, I've never done that before. So it was exciting. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm really always fascinated and I think probably no more so than with musicians about, you know, like people kind of often think about the creative state or, you know, being a, you know, singer songwriter like yourself, like it all being one thing. But in many ways, it's it's not at all. Like there are two really distinct, you know, parts of it, which is one is the process of creation. Mm. 
And then the next part is almost the process of recreation, right? You write these songs, you create these songs, you tell these stories, and then you start playing them and, you know, mm. you're going out on the road and those sort of things where you're almost then just recreating them. Yeah. Do, do you see those as two separate, like, you know, kind of muscles, like you said, muscles, or is it all kind of intertwined as, as one thing? I think it's two different parts of the one thing. Yeah. You know, so both. I think, uh, you know, songs evolve and songs become what they're going to become, you know, and there's a certain amount of destiny involved, you know. I feel if I can use that word, really. I mean, there is. I mean, the song is it will decide where it's going to go when you're writing it. For me, anyway, I'm, all i got to do is just, you know, hopefully pay attention enough to be able to uh, do it justice and to do what the song needs to be done to it, you know. Talk to me a little bit more about what that means because it, it's something that I respond to a lot. Mm. Uh, I always talk about, um, you know, uh, the idea of, you know, when you're telling someone a story, if, if I was telling you a story, I, as I started to tell the story, just even by the look on your face or which bits you were responding to or whatever, you'd lean into one part more, you yeah. know, um, you'd kind of skip over something that you thought was an important part, but it turns out is kind of a bit boring yeah. to get to the next bit. And the story starts to become, rather than a bunch of things that happen, it starts to become a story. You're you know, working it. Right? It has yeah. a story. So yeah. in relation to putting together a song, like what... Tell me a little bit about how that is. Well, yeah, I think what you're describing there is, is, you know, the capacity for empathy, you know, and, you know, a huge capacity for empathy is required, I think, to be able to get up and tell a story, whether it's stand-up or whether it's a song, you know, performing it. You know, it's, it's like you have to believe it and you have to feel what, you know, the audience or the people that you're talking to, you know, you might just be out to dinner, you know, you have to be able to read that. You know what I mean? I mean, we've all been there. There's nothing worse than someone at a dinner party or something like that or, you know, someone who's maybe taking things a bit too far and just not reading the room and it's like, oh, that was a bit inappropriate. You know what I mean? Right. And it's just like, and they're just kind of, they just want to tell their story because it, this is their time to, to say something. You know what I mean? And it's just like, shut up, you know. Can't you see that everyone's like really embarrassed and no one wants to hear about that? You know what I mean? And I think, you know, as an entertainer, you know, um, you know, you, there's that big capacity for that empathy and being able to read people and you know like you say when you see someone's face kind of go oh and they lean in a bit more and then you can kind of you know have those pauses or whatever and that kind of can come pretty naturally to to people who, who do it often you know and you and I think you hone that as well and you, you you get better at that and it's not that it's contrived or that it's um you know um bullshit in any way you know it, it's that it's just about it's a, it's 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 singing you know it's uh it's a it's um it's painting it's it's uh yeah painting a picture you know um all right we're going we're going backwards through the list so i'm just trying to remember them in order but uh maybe <laughs> dog owner might have been next dog owner recent yeah. dog owner too well Sloanie. recent ish yeah really recent ish sloney she's a classic she's mental yeah. We got her and they said she was half uh, Irish wolfhound and half Maltese terrier. <laughs> well, that's an interesting liaison. Which I don't want to know. But yeah, <laughs> I don't want to know. But uh, someone actually, it's because she was with, in a litter um, and someone who adopted her sister and knew that we'd gotten Sloney um, actually did a genealogy thing on her sister and sent something through to, to my girlfriend. And she's actually mostly poodle. No, sorry, mostly chihuahua. But then she's got poodle, uh, a Scottish dash hound, 
Rottweiler, uh, something else, like maybe two or three other things. So she's pretty much everything. She's yeah. got an underbite. Yeah, she's a classic <laughs> and she's mental. But she's awesome. She's really good. She's got this thing, man, where we go to the park and like everyone, oh yeah, my dog's amazing. But my dog is, is amazing. Yeah, right? also, why have a dog if you don't think your dog's amazing? Well, exactly. Yeah, right. that's right. She's got this thing where some dogs, some older dogs or some, you know, some more sort of sketchy sort of dogs at the park who might be a bit kind of over it and not really up for, you know, puppies or a lot of older dogs just can't be fucked with puppies, you know, at the dog park. It's pretty common. But she's got this thing with a dog that it will that'll be a bit standoffish to other dogs and she'll just, you know, slowly, slowly and then end up playing with them, you know. So she's got this kind of, yeah... She's a bit of a dog whisperer herself, you know, as a dog, which is um, which is cool. She's a she's a mellow spirit, man. She's a she's a good deal. She's mental, you know. She's six months, so she uh, she has a pretty good time, which is great. And uh, yeah, I, I, it's like I didn't know I had that many pairs of Converse. You right. know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I just keep finding oh, there's another red one or there's, I didn't know I had a pair of red but where'd you get that you know what I mean she just keeps finding them and they're just, they're just destroyed and all over the house but my friend Jan actually said he's got a dog who's a few years old now but they had her when she was about six months when we got the dog she, he just you know tapped me on the shoulder put, put his hand on my shoulder and said um, just remember it's only stuff it's only stuff and I was like no she's cool it's like oh yeah she's mental yeah. I um <laughs> It is interesting that it's only stuff, though, because I often think that, um, you know, that's kind of what kids are about. That's kind of what having a dog is about. It's kind of why you have to, at some stage, do one of these things is that the bullshit of the world will convince you that the bullshit is real after a while. That's right. And you need this kind of breaker in your life to remind you. That's right. It's only stuff. It's only stuff. Right. You know. And, you know, it's good. Go for big walks and, you know, it's nice. Get out of the house. You know, uh, tell me, uh, are you a person who talks to dog? Uh, like, is it because some people there is a bit of a thing of you have a dog and you run into someone else as a dog. This was something I was not aware of because I would uh, say that I'm a person who um, in my general life, because I talk all the fucking time. Yeah. So the last thing that I ever want to do Absolutely. is fucking talk. Like just when I'm not working, like, you know, I just want to stop oh, talking. Small talk, right? man. Small but, talk. you know, small talk is yeah. a big part of having a dog, I've noticed. I just I, no one told me when I got the dogs I, that I was going to have a, 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 a lot of random conversations. I don't engage. I don't engage. Okay, good. I don't. I'll just go, I'll talk to, I'll talk to the dog more than I'll talk to them, but it's yeah. just like, I'll just kind of be over on the sidelines having a cigarette right. <laughs> it's like, man, you know what I mean and the thing is I go over far enough so I don't hear their small talk because yeah. not only do I look sometimes I can do it but most of the time I'm just I just can't be fucked yeah. you know what I mean and it's got nothing to do with anyone personally no, it's, it's not, just me and I just yes. can't be fucked leave me alone um no I don't know you I haven't met you I no. bet you're lovely yeah I'm sure yeah. but you know you know what I'm just here because my dog's gonna Fine. tear my yeah. fucking house apart if we don't come down here <laughs> Anyway, not only will I stay stay away from them, but I'll stay away from them having other small talk. Yeah. Like other people's small talk gets me as well, which is ridiculous. And it's like, just get over it, you know, but I'm just so fucking mental like that where, you know, and like I say, sometimes I'm okay. Sometimes I'm fine. You know what I mean? But I remember actually I was in the park only yesterday and I'm such a wanker. I am, but 
I overheard people just talking. Oh, yeah, rah, it's small talk. They don't know each other. And I just remember thinking in my head, oh, yeah, everybody's mates. Uh, uh. You know what I mean? And it's like, and I actually said to myself, what the fuck is wrong with you, man? Yeah. These people, are, it's a beautiful day. They're just saying hello. Right. We're living in a society, <laughs> you know. And meanwhile, I just got to go far enough away so I don't hear that and so I don't have to engage, you know. Yeah. I'm like that, definitely. I don't, I don't want to hear you guys engaging in a uh, basic civility while yeah, I'm yeah. sucking how, this poison into how, my lungs. That's Thank right. You. How dare you be a nice person? And how do, you know what I mean? And it's like I'm, I'm making myself sound like a real real prick with this. But I guess, I you think, know, sometimes... No, but I, think that's but a, I just take myself yeah. away from the situation when yes. I do feel like I'm going to be like that. Yes. My missus has told me that I'm a lot like Larry David. At times. And I'm like, no, that's ridiculous. But then since she said it, I've noticed things. Like I'm driving down the highway the other day. I'm on the colder and this guy's got something in front of me in the car. He's got something hanging from the mirror that's reflecting. You know what I mean? Right. And I'm, think, I'm actually thinking to myself, well, if we, if we stop at the servo together, I'll just say to him, hey, that's pretty distracting to other drivers. And I didn't. And it didn't come up. But I thought to myself, I thought, fuck, that, that's pretty bad, isn't it? And it's just like, yeah, that... You know, well, you know, if you know, if you know a better way of doing things, right. it's your responsibility to let people know, you know, I feel, you know, but you know, look, it's, it is what it is. And, you know, I got a, a I got beautiful friends, beautiful family, you know, so, they, okay. they love me. Well, that brings me so to, so I don't need any, any, I think any more mates house, in the dog park. I think park. house husband was one of the oh, yeah. descriptions. I love that. Well, she works nine to five. Yep. Um, and I don't, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'll be away for, you know, this tour that I'm on at the moment. I mean, it's over three months and it's a lot of dates, but it's like two or three, maybe four max in a row. And then I'm home all week, you know. Is that on purpose? Have you like arranged it in a way that, you know, it fits better with, you know, your real life? No, not not particularly. My agents have sort of booked it all out. But, you know, we've, we've, we've done a lot of touring in the past, obviously. And, you know, I think I'm, you know, we've probably said in the past, look, you know, just we can't, I can't just do two weeks straight, especially the way I sing, you know, and the way I go for it, you know, on stage. I mean, it's just not, you know, it's just, um, I just can't do it. I just can't sing, you know, like that, you know. But um, some people can, you know. But, um, I'd, and, you know, I'd, I'd prefer not to, you know. <laughs> I'd prefer to do a few dates and, you know, I take it easy in these days, you know, a lot more than I used to. I, I actually take my tracksuit pants on the road and I take my, my slippers <laughs> and I'm home. Um, the, the hotel these are the great rock and roll stories oh, i was hoping for the it's, podcast it's by the mental way. <laughs> oh yeah we'll get dan on this is going to be mental all right trackies i'm home I'm, I'm ordering some room service or something i'm having a cup of tea or a glass of wine or something and i'm watching tally and i'm just like yes it's one of the highlights of, of being on the road for me these days. i think there is a maturity in that and there is also something beautiful in that which is that something doesn't always have to be the same thing Right. No. And I think that it's a lesson that all of us who have, you know, when you are first introduced to the idea of like going on the road, and I love touring, always mm. have, me too. Ne- never stopped. Mm. I love it. And I've always loved it. Yeah. But the interesting thing to me is that you can love something for different reasons than you used to love it. Yeah. Right. You can find new and different ways to love it. Like I, you know, when you first start, I mean, every night, Saturday night. It Every is. night. Yeah. And it's amazing. And you're with your mates. Right. The way I liken it, it was like school camp, you know, but you've got a little bit of money and there's no teachers and, you know, <laughs> like right. that's what it was like. I mean, you're away, you're, you're, you're in the van or you, you're on the plane, you know, and you're with your mates and it's, you know, you're just, you're all idiots and 
it's awesome. Right. You know, and you know, just, you know, being a pain in the ass to everybody <laughs> who's unfortunate enough to, to, you know, come in contact with you, you know, but you know, that's fine as well, you know, and um, well, that's good, there's a lot of great young bands yeah. around at the moment that are playing all these festivals and, you know, and I'm, and I'm following these guys on Instagram, I'm mates with a lot of them, some I'm just a fan, you know, and I'm seeing their Instagram, I'm like, well, good on you. Yeah. I'm pretty glad that Instagram wasn't that, that prevalent <laughs> when I was sort of, you know, in my mid-20s, you know, 10 years ago or something when yeah. things were starting to get going for me. Because, yeah, that'd be pretty, you know, I'm sure there's photos, but they're, they're not on the internet, yeah. <laughs> which is good. Yeah, there's yeah. one There's one photo of me that uh, <laughs> one of the newspapers took at the big day out. Excellent. And it's fair to say I was having a, having a good day. big day out <laughs> yeah, myself. Day out. I, as I've said beforehand, I reckon that uh, 20 years from now, a sniffer dog can be going through the police station past the fire where that newspaper is and will still bark. Yeah, that's right. And, but it, it was one photo in a newspaper. It wasn't a thousand photos of yeah, selfies that somebody would have taken and on their phone get, that get day with you or whatever, and, right? You know, and if it's still, you know, yeah, it's uh, so look, in a lot of ways, I, I wish that it was around when I was right. that age, but you know, I think it's for the best that it wasn't. But house husband, yeah, yeah so house husband, so I'm home, you know, she's she's off, you know, then I get up, you know, my average day, I get up at the crack of 10, 11, yep. you know, <laughs> yeah, you came here first thing today, I, I did, it. yeah, I'm here, yeah. yeah. This is, I slept in my clothes yeah. last night just so I could get up. Um, you know, the crack of 10, 10.30, yeah. 11 o'clock, if I'm, you know, treating myself yeah. midday some days. Um, chill out, you know, have a shower, get dressed, do the dishes, tidy the house, take the dog for a walk, you know, cook some dinner. Yeah. Chill out. It's, and, and, I, and I love it. I love it. You know, having dinner ready. You know, either when, you know, not long after she gets home or, or when she gets home or something. And, and, you know, I love to cook. I'm not a, I'm not an amazing cook, but as far as a good home cook, you know, stews and, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, spaghetti, well, that's bolognese. We, that I'll cook a next, bolognese all day. That was the next thing I was going to talk yeah. to you about, right, is this idea you said amateur chef. And where did the love of food and cooking come from? Uh, I think it was just, it was in the stars, right. the food stuff. I've always been a, I was always a big dude, yeah. you know, I was a big kid. My brother, my older brother talks to, tells me about how when I was little, you know, I oh know he must be three or four and I was, you know, you know, one or, or two or something like that. I remember vividly when I was in grade one, seven years old, you know, you do the height and weight thing in, in your class and I was 40 kilos when I was seven. <laughs> you know, I've always been a big... Always been a big dude, yeah. you know, and I've always loved my food. It's never been an issue at all. But I, I was actually talking to a mate of mine. I think, you know, and especially as a teenager, and I know with teenage boys, I've never been a teenage girl, so I can't comment, but I've definitely been a teenage boy. You know, we used to get home and everyone's got their own stories, but, you, you know, a mate of mine talks about getting home and like just sitting down in front of the tally with a loaf of white bread and like a jar of jam. Right. And just sitting down and like making his way through pretty much a loaf of bread, if not the half a loaf of bread, if not the whole thing. And then, you know, and that's like, and then it's four o'clock and it's like, when's dinner? You know what I mean? Like, you know, friends of mine have got a, have got a son. He's a year old and he's, he's a unit, right? He's huge. And I'm just like, oh man, him and his mates are just going to tear through your fridge for years and years and years. You've got to start buying some canned food or something because this is going to be heavy. You know, but yeah, look, I've always loved it and I've always enjoyed cooking. You know, my mother, 
first thing she taught me how to cook was it like a tuna, uh, you know, and Napoli, which probably doesn't make sense to the diehards out there. But like a nice, you know, red sauce, garlic, onion, tomatoes with a bit of tuna in it. You know, and from that you can do like a tuna bake thing or you can do, you know, just a pasta. And that was the first thing. And from there, everything's kind of gone from there. I think if you're frying onions and garlic and a bit of olive oil, if it starts with that, you're going to be okay, whether it's a nice soup or whether it's a nice stew or sauce or, or something like that, yeah. Is that, um, you know, idea, because it seems to me that... It, so tell me, is it similar to the way you create, you know, in your music or is it a different process? Because that seems like a really lovely, you know, process, which is like start with something, you know, nice, simple, classic, mm. you know, start with something you can achieve... And then sort of, you know, if you get this bit right, if you get if you know these three chords, yeah. then you can sort of start to, you know, do some fancier and more interesting stuff. Well, you know, well, it is actually, but not in not exactly in the way that you just described. But I'll do I'll do most of my writing and creating and producing, you know. I mean, not that I'm a you know, technically a record producer, but I do, you know, I do, you know, arrangements and I do all that stuff. I'll do most of that in my head, you know. And then the process of recording is just trying not to fuck it up from my head to when it actually gets on tape, you know. Yeah. Um, and But most of it will be done in my head because I'll, I'll be able to picture it and I'll be able to hear it, you know. The, um, I've always been very lucky like that. I've had that sort of photographic thing where I can, you know, really picture something. And sometimes it's worked against me because if things don't go exactly the way that I've pictured it in my head, it takes me a little bit to adjust, whether it's... Um, <laughs> anything right <laughs> um, you know but I'll, I'll cook the same way as well you know i'll sort of be walking down the street and i'll think right i'll do that and i'll actually get every step together in my head and i enjoy doing that it's the manifesting i love manifesting you know in my mind and then having it you know happen you know i mean speaking of cooking i cooked breakfast for some friends of mine uh we were away at a friend's place in the country and woke up early, went down the shops and, you know, I'd never done it like this before, but I got a big pot and I got heaps of bacon and garlic and tomatoes and some olives and some capers, you know, and olive oil and some chilli and I just kind of just stirred it all up in, in this pot and it was just like, it was fucking amazing, you know. But it, it just, I, I kind of, you know, I knew, I, already, I was already pretty close to how, how, how good it was going to taste before I even started cooking it because I've, you know, I've always had that, ability fortunately to be able to um you know uh, picture things and imagine things you know be it a song or be it you know um a, a poem or you know bacon <laughs> sometimes uh i'm interested in this just in in, uh, in your thoughts um which is because sometimes if i'm working on something you know there are it, it, I, I responded to what you said before about the idea of going i don't necessarily have a process that it's mm. all part of the process yeah and i think that that that's probably something that i relate to as well which is like how do it how do i get it done well I, i'm not sure exactly not totally sure <laughs> i've got a whole bunch of things that i do and yeah. i can't tell you exactly which of them yeah are the most important and yeah. some days one of them is much more important than the other and you know so some days i've got to sit down in front of my computer and literally write yep. words on a piece of paper. Yeah, I have this thing that uh, I, Amy, my partner, thinks makes me look like a serial killer because <laughs> then I also have to print things out into notebooks and I stick them in the notebook, like type things. But then I 
write and scribble out and cross out. And even if like she a goes, some letter, yeah, <laughs> but it is like that. Yeah. And, and she says, it. She, she goes, it looks crazy. She goes, why do you, and I can't just cross it out. Like I can't do like a lot. Yeah. Like it has to be like almost a race from existence <laughs> in the first place. But then some days I do it, all your process. Yeah. That sort of shit. And then you go and walk the dogs or whatever. And when you're not thinking about it, when you're thinking about, oh God, what are those people talking to each other about? Suddenly uh, yeah. your brain... While you're being a douchebag yeah, in the your, park. Your brain goes, goes, oh, thank God you're gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, right. we can get this done yeah. over here. Yeah. Like, is that part of what, you know, does the you know, ideas and stuff like that come to you when you're... Like, is cooking part of, I'm doing something else that I have to concentrate on a bit so my brain can stop fully concentrating on this other thing? Yeah, yeah, I enjoy that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's pretty common... You know, like you hear surfers talk about it a lot or people that, you know, exercise a lot. You know, I, I, I do boxing, you know. Um, actually, I should be, I, I could do it more. I did it yesterday, pretty sore today. Anyway, that's a difference, you know. But you just think once you, when you're in that spot, you know what I mean, that it takes you out of your mind a little bit and out of your brain. You get out of your head a bit and can kind of free things up. I find that with cooking and, you know, I watch a lot of television as well what sort of television do you watch oh i, I love qi everything i know oh. is because of qi man if i like <laughs> literally it pretty much the answer to any trivia question is the blue whale yeah blue if you whale. don't know what and, else and dave yeah that's right yeah <laughs> no i love qi i just love stephen fry i mean anything you know i could watch him you know i could watch him do anything so i um have you ever met him i haven't so bastard it's yeah. Well, it's, look, it's rare. Uh, this isn't a name dropping podcast, but no, do but, it. But you'll enjoy the story, I think. Um, so they did. They came out to Australia and did a series of um, live shows of QI, and uh, so they got local comedians to be on the panel. But it was Alan and and Stephen and you know their whole crew, John Lloyd, who's the producer yeah. of the show, and everybody. And uh, I was doing the show. Uh, happened to be doing uh, the final show that they were doing of the entire tour. So it meant that that night. Um, you know, they all went out and had a drink and, you know, I was invited along to go out and, you know, have a drink with them. And, you know, everyone always has asked me since, like, well, what's Stephen Fry like? And he's like, he said, he's, I, and I always say to people, and I mean this in the nicest possible way, <laughs> he's a man who enjoys the sound of his own voice because... He, like everybody else, knows that he's the most interesting person in the room. That's right. Like it's not, it would actually be a waste of all of our time <laughs> if he wasn't talking. That's right. And he's, he's aware of that, you know? Like, yeah. we're all like, no, 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 we don't want to talk. We just want you to keep talking. Yeah. And he also understands that's the. He knows. Yeah, he knows. Of course he, he knows. gets he it. Knows, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's, I, I, I love him. So I can, yeah, yeah. I love Steve, you know, but I, I like a lot of, uh, you know, I like to kind of shut off a bit as well. You know what yeah. I've been watching a lot, actually, not on TV, but on, on the computer, is a lot of RuPaul's Drag Race, oh. which is fucking amazing. Now, so what is it? So I have a lot of friends Start who are into the show. Engine. Have not seen it, I must admit, but tell me, what is the appeal of it? What what, what oh, do well you they, like about it? Well, they, it's, it's just ridiculous, yeah. you know? I mean, it's amazing. I mean, they look incredible. You know, I mean, it's just so... i got to turn the brightness down on the right. computer because I give myself a headache. But it's hilarious. I mean, and there's all kind of... I'm not really one for reality TV, you know, but this one is just... I mean, I can make an exception. I mean, yeah. you know, it's good. I mean, you know, they, they talk about, you know, the history of drag and the history of, you know, the struggle that a lot of these people have had to go through, which I find really interesting yeah. as well. They don't really just go on about it or beat you over the head with it, which would be fine as well, but... Um, no, you know, that they mentioned that, which I think is important. You know, there's a lot of young people who, you know, who um, identify, 
um, in a lot of different ways now. And, you know, or not now, especially as much as always, but now I feel a lot freer to be open with that. You yeah, know? absolutely. Which it's is, not like these things important. are new. No, it's they're not just new that at all. we are having just people are paying attention. conversation about Yeah, that's yeah. right. People are paying attention, which I think is great. Yeah. But, you know, also, you know, it's fucking full on. Like, you know, it's just like, and it's also they tuck this, and it's like, where is it? You yeah. know, um, I haven't tried it, and I'm not going to. But yeah, I just find it um, really funny yeah. and um, fun. fun and joyful, joyful. Um, yeah, that's what I hear. And it's a good. It, I mean, it's a good vibe. You know, yeah. and RuPaul's awesome. Yeah, you know, he's great. And there's and then there's, there's always a couple of you know real you know heavy heavy people on there that are just not very nice people and, right. you, and then when they get voted off you're like yeah fuck you man you know which is always a bit of fun you know what i mean <laughs> uh so yeah qi uh yeah. drag race yeah. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a wide range and everything in between i don't know yeah i like i like a lot of documentaries i like um you know um see the thing is i'm, I'm dyslexic so reading okay. reading isn't has never been although i can read and I'm, I'm fine but as far as sitting down and reading a book and getting lost in a book and all that, you know, it's never been something that I've been able to do and it's never been something that I that I find enjoyable, really. Um, it's a bit stressful. And a lot of that comes along with having to read out loud to the class and not being able to and being embarrassed. And so there's a lot of that stuff that comes along with that. Um, so, you know, get, but I've always been really, really good at retaining information, you know, and remembering stuff. My memory, I've been really lucky with my memory. And we were talking about, you know, just before about, you know, cooking and making music and getting it all together in your head and, you know, and all of that stuff. It's all, all a part of that stuff and sort of having the capacity to be able to, you know, take a photo and have it there and, you know, for the most part, you know, be pretty much, you know, right on sort of what happened as far as remembering stuff and all that stuff. You know, like so facts and dates and, and things like that I've always been pretty good with. So, you know, I, I, I get a lot of my, uh, you know, I, I'm really interested in history and, uh, yeah, I get a lot of that from, from telly, you know. I get every, pretty much everything from movies and, and, and TV, you know, in that way. We didn't, well, so we didn't talk about nerdom, but mm. we've kind of, like, brushed up against it. But what you did say, and nerd. Oh, so yeah. what did you mean by and well, nerd? People say nerd these days. Oh, yeah, I'm a nerd, yeah. yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm a footy nerd. It's like, well, yeah okay if if you know stats like full on i know someone who's like yeah. who is really who is a footy nerd. Yeah, yeah. and he is yeah. you know and the nerd the word nerd gets thrown around a bit today yeah. and look fair enough you know that some people you know I suppose it's a lot more of a broader term these days um than it used to be but you know music mathematics uh you know what i what i'm interested in if i'm interested in something then i'll just obsess on it and I'll just like just wring every single last drop out of it and kind of ruin it for myself a little bit. <laughs> kind of like, oh well, next, you know. And so I'll just get into it. But look, I've got. You're, you're talking to someone who listened to six different Westworld podcasts this week, so <laughs> don't, trying to understand this week's episode. Yeah, right. Well, I'm on uh, No Such Thing as a Fish. That's one of my favorites. Oh, which yeah, is a QI the QI guys. Yeah, yeah, the QI researchers which have is a podcast. Awesome. Which I put is it brilliant. on to go to sleep. Yeah. You know, hoping some, hoping it'll something just all will sink in. in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, look, you know, I've played guitar since I was four years old, and I've obsessed on on guitar my entire life, and I've got way too many guitars, and I'll just, I've got actually got an Instagram page, uh, guitar nerd alert which is just pictures of my guitars and other people's guitars and amps. And, you know, if anyone's got any guitars, I'll send it in. I'll give them a, 
I'll, I'll put it, I'll put it up. Um, what was the appeal? Where where did the love of the guitar come from? Like, I mean, four mm. years old seems you know young to kind of go. Yeah, yeah, a guitar is something that I want to. I'm attracted to. Yeah, I look, I you know, I think just friends of the family around. I mean, we lived in Alice Springs for a while when I was very very young, which I remember things from, and I you know like it's very like I was very young. I can go to, I can remember a few things, but you know, it's all a lot of it. I can remember remembering it you know, when I was a kid, you know, like when I was, you know, a bit older. But I remember seeing Rarumpi Band, yeah. you know, Great Australian Rock and Roll Band when I was very young. And I mean, it was just the coolest thing in the world, you know, and the lead singer, amazing. And uh, thinking, well, that's what you got to do. And then, you know, coming back to Melbourne and spending a lot of time in Fitzroy, living in Fitzroy and you know, spending a lot of time around there. There was a place still there, but it's uh, it's it's different now. It's changed. It's called the the Black Cat mm -hmm. Cafe. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and they've got this bit down the side now where it's all outdoor seating, and it's really actually quite nice with all the the vines and you know yeah. all that stuff over it. None of that used to be there, and they used to they they bricked it up now, but there used to be a big glass double door that 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 open up, and there was a band playing there out to where those all those seats are now, called the Crocs. Right. right, and there's a guy, Rick Swanee, um, and uh, it was a three-piece, and it was, you know, it was a rock and roll band, rockabilly band. They had cool hair, they had cool boots, great shirt, great fashion, tight black jeans, and they played electric guitars. And, you know, that's what I, I'm just like, right, okay, so that's what you do when you grow up, you know. And I think it was my fourth birthday, Rick actually gave me an electric guitar. But, Mum, she was smart. It was an electric guitar, but... Uh, no, no amp right you know what I mean perfect yeah, yeah. and I think when I was yeah, about six like why, why give your kid a clarinet or some <laughs> yeah instrument that's not going to sound good for like six years yeah. <laughs> and is really loud from the minute they can blow into it yeah give uh, them an electric guitar and no amp no amp yeah. and then when it starts to sound alright yeah. a little amp you can plug it in yeah, yeah. that's right <laughs> um, you know and that, that, that was just where, where we were at and we had family friends that were on the road and watching Hey Hey It's Saturday, performing on Hey Hey It's Saturday and, you know, in, in the house band and also as guests. And, you know, it was just sort of one of those things. It was a lot of interesting artistic people were around at, while I was growing up. And, yeah, I just um, – things were pretty up and down through my childhood, which we won't go right into if that's all right. But, you know, I'll just say this, that, you know, music – has always been you know the one thing that's just been constant you know although i have a very loving caring family you know we've been through a lot in our in our lives you know before either of them had kids you know since you know us as me and my brother as adults and you know things have been you know with a lot of families you know it goes up and down and there's swings and roundabouts you know in life you know uh and you know i've certainly had a lot of those um that's not a competition. I'm not going to say I've had more than anyone else, but, you know, I probably have. <laughs> um, you know, but that's uh, that's the way it goes, and I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, but music, you know, was sort of this one constant thing for me, you know, and still is, you know, because I, I still go through, you know, you know, uh, lower and higher times, you know, uh, in my life, and music's something that's just always been there. Um, no matter what. And it's something that I've always been able to do, you know, in school, being embarrassed, you know, not being able to read something out aloud, not being able to write something down that, you know, copy off the board. Cause you know, I remember I was doing it letter by letter. 
because a part of this visual dyslexia is you can't actually picture the sentence. You you know, you find it hard. You know, I'm a lot better at it now. And that's a part of the reading. You know, it's just book, 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 rather than, you know, this flow thing. And the same thing would be when I'm trying to copy it off a board and I'd be the last one to be that did that or I'd be, you know, um, the last, you know, I couldn't read, read out aloud. And, you know, I don't think I was... Teachers never said that I was... Um, you know, not smart because I think it was pretty, you know, I think it was pretty um, obvious, you know, that I was, you know, I was, I was, I was right there as far as, you know, um, capability was concerned. It was just obvious that there was something going on. Mind you, I was in year 11 when, you know, we actually found out that I was dyslexic. So I'd kind of winged it, (laughs) you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But you know music I always had that and it was like you know in the music room and I'd always just be able to play and I'd be able to play by ear and just you know naturally do it where that was something that you know other kids couldn't do so that so that was you know that felt good as well and that would help me with my self-esteem a lot and I'll just say as far as winging it was concerned I actually got my high school diploma and, and, my, and I graduated um, but I didn't sit any exams from halfway through year 11 to the end of year 12 I didn't do any homework or sit any exams I did in the first semester because my dad said he'd buy me a new amp if I did all my homework. So I did, <laughs> yeah. and I did pretty well with it. And then I got my new amp and guitar, and then I just kind of rocked up and hung out with my mates for a year and a half. But I got to graduate, and I got to the graduation because um, they wanted me to perform at the graduation. Right. And so I, I didn't sit any exams or anything I think like that. taught you an important lesson. That's right. <laughs> it's just like I'm glad it's sort of working out. Otherwise, it, look – you know, I had a great school, I think, and I won't say what it was, but I think if you, look, if I needed a big kick up the ass, you know, I think if you knew what you were going to do, you know, then they were more than supportive. Like while I was wagging these other classes, I mean, I'd go to the music department and right. I'd play piano or they'd let me in to play the drums or guitars or, you know what I mean? And they'd just go, well, this is, this is, we can't sort of stop this now. So right. they, they really embraced it and nurtured it. You know, they were really good. But then, yeah, actually being there, grandma was there, she's taking photos, I'm getting my diploma. I didn't sit any fucking... I didn't get an right. enter score, you know what I mean? I didn't do anything for a year and a half. I just hung out with my mates and, you know, just taught myself, you know. Well, you got qualified in the thing that you were actually going to do as a job, which, yeah. you know... If Bullshitting. You could, right? Well, that's okay. That's, <laughs> that's fine, yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, um, I did, yeah. I so... Did. There's no regrets. What certainly. about the singing? Because, you know, we've talked a lot about you, like, playing music and writing music, but... You know, one of the things that is, I guess, that you haven't really spoken about other than saying that you can't do a lot of shows in a row because of the way that you perform Mm. is just how amazing a singer you are. Like, how, like, how, when did you discover that you could actually really sing? Mm. Like, I mean, because you are a proper singer. Like, you know, do you know what I mean by that? I don't know what the... Yeah, I know what you mean by that. Yeah, We don't have to... Right. Name names. But yeah. yeah, I know exactly what you mean by yeah. that. I mean, there's a lot of people sort of getting away with it um, and good on them. I mean, I would if I needed to, you know, definitely. Everyone's just doing what they're doing, you know. I don't think what I do is the right way to do it or what other no, people it's do just is your the wrong way. way. It's my way, you know. But I know exactly what you mean, you know. I am a, I am a singer and, um, yeah, you can be more than one thing as, <laughs> as well. It's like, you know, I've been... Um, I think, you know, my, yeah, I've been playing guitar for a long time, you know, and I'm, I'm a pretty good guitar player, you know. But um, being a singer, it's kind of like, well, either you're a singer or you're a guitar player. It's like, well, no, I'm, you know, you can be more than one thing. 
but yeah, look, I think when I really realised, you know, I remember I uh, auditioned for the VCA, and I um, you got to choose an instrument, you know, and I thought, well, what am I going to do, you know, because I played a bit of piano and I enjoyed it and I wanted to learn more, you know. Obviously, play guitar and I was singing, and I said, I think I'm going to do singing because then I can in the audition I can play piano and then I can play guitar as well, and I can sort of show them give myself the best shot you know and a friend of mine said you know and which I agreed with at the time as well I mean I was 17 or 18 she said oh you're a much better guitar player than you are a singer because I think that's just how I saw myself you know I was someone that sang but I wasn't a singer and I think that's how you know how my mates sort of saw it as well you know but then I think from then I started to realize that no I think I'm I think I'm a better singer than a guitar player. And I'm a good guitar player, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but I started to I started to think about it a bit more in that way. And yeah, it's um look in again, it, it, it's all sort of one big thing, you know what I mean? It's right. all in my head, you know. So the writing and the um creating. I mean, the the instrument being be, be it my, my voice or be it a guitar or a piano or something, I mean that's mechanical you know if 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 you can play guitar in your mind then you can play any instrument you know and it's just you haven't you haven't figured out the mechanics of it yet or the actual physicality of it yet but you can play it you know you just got to figure out you know it's like a talented athlete can play football right. someone who can read a, a team sport and read a play can play football they just got to learn the rules you know, it's sort of like that football analogies. No, it's good. I like a football yeah. analogy. I don't know if everybody does, but I do. Yeah, so, but we understand podcast, it. We're so Victorians, you know so yeah, that's right. Um, how far have we got through without me asking if the Dan one hour? Oh, well, there you go. Look, it normally goes for an hour, and I haven't actually asked you the question. The podcast is about it, which okay. is, do you have a philosophy? Yeah, um, we've talked about all those things anyway, so it's like it's not like we, you know, mm. it's not like people will be, you know, feeling ripped off. But is there something that you like? Is there words by which you live, or a philosophy by which you, you know, t have an approach to something in your life? Yeah, um, yeah, there is. I mean, whether I do it all the time or not. That's another thing. Right. You know, uh, but this is, I think this is a good sort of general rule to things. Um, you know, it's nice to be nice, you know. It's good to be good. There can be a lot of lot of bullshit and there can be a lot of drama and there can be a lot of people calling people out thinking they're fighting a good fight and rah, rah, rah. It's like, yeah, and that's important. And, it's, you know, and I believe in a lot of that stuff as well. But, you know, and look, I'm not always nice. You know, and I think it depends who you talk to and, and what day they've, they've caught me on. You know, I'm sure there's plenty of people out there who, who could say a lot, you know, which is fine, you know. But I think, you know, generally speaking, it's it's good to be good. You know, it's nice to be nice. Um, you know, do good things. I think generally, you know, people, not generally, like, but yeah, people know what the right thing to do is, you know, whether they do it all the time or not. People know that, you know, having compassion for people, whether they, whether they got a fuck off wear full sticker on their car or not, you know, they know that to deny someone healthcare and keep them on a fucking island in a fucking, you know, prison fucking camp is the wrong thing to do. They know that. Whether they allow themselves to feel that or not, I mean, people know that that's wrong. People know that it's wrong 
to take a child off a mother rather than help the mother look after the child. You know what I mean? People know that. But, yeah, we can kind of get a bit caught up sometimes and, and forget, you know. So I think, you know, just remembering that it's nice to be nice and people know the right thing. People know what to do, you know. People don't do it all the time. But, uh, you know, I think generally speaking I do, you know. I mean, I can be, I can be a douche, but that's, I think that's about as far as it goes. You well, know, we, I think generally speaking, I do the right thing. We all know? can be. Mm. And like, you know, I mean, that's one of the toughest things about it, right? I mean, you said something that I love, which is like, because even people who are like, you know, I could say to you, hey, you're the nicest bloke in the entire world and you're trying to be nice all day, but not everybody's seeing the world in the same way as you're seeing it. Mm. You might be on the phone to your, you know, a sick friend comforting them through some relationship breakup. So the, so when you go to the cafe to grab your coffee, you're on the phone and the person who's serving you thinks you're a dickhead because you didn't get off your phone when you're at the cafe mm. while you were trying to be nice to somebody. Like, you know, I mean, yeah. not everyone's going to see that. But it's more that extra idea, which is the times that I feel most shit about things that I have done are when <laughs> yeah. I have not been nice. Yeah. You know, when I have... Yeah. Like sometimes you'll fuck shit up. I mean, often mm. it turns out, you know, you can fuck yeah. shit up. But it's the ones where you're like, oh, yeah, I wasn't nice. And I, I knew better. Yeah, I knew better and I wasn't And things nice. can be fucked and things cannot go right, you know. Yeah. But you can also look at it and go, well, you know what? Shit happens. Yeah. And there are many shit happens moments and you don't necessarily punish yourself about right. them and, you know, get in your head about it. And you go, okay, well, that, that was that fucked up and whatever. Mm. But when you've... When you've fucked up and when you know that you could have done better, whether it's, you know, partied too much or whether it's, you know, not been, you know, as attentive to loved ones or whether it's shutting yourself away and, you know, just being a bit of an island and, you know, uh, you know that kind of snowballs into some drama, you know, then it's like, you know, people know. People know when they're being good and when they're not, you know. People, people are aware. I think it's a basic human instinct knowing the difference between right and wrong, you know. There are some people that don't care. But they know that that's wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? But they don't care. But, you know, I'm not here to tell people how to be or how to live or whatever. I'm just, that's my philosophy, though, yeah. which I don't always stick to, of course, because, you know, I'm human. But um, I think it's nice to be nice. Just, you know, try to do the right thing. And we live in a country where we have so many opportunities to be nice <laughs> and to do the right thing. Yeah. There are so many people all over the world that have to do horrendous things just to survive. And, you know, just terrible, terrible things to get ahead, you know. And uh, we don't really have much of an excuse, uh, not us anyway, you know, in the kind of, in the place that we're at. You know, there are people that are living in, you know, some really heavy situations in this country and things could be a lot better, particularly in Aboriginal communities. I mean, it's just, you know, the lack of, yeah, the lack of, um, the lack of regard, you know, by government after government after government is, is, is disgusting. You know, so many things that could be fixed um, just by paying a bit of attention to, you know. But um, I think generally speaking, certainly myself, I live, you know, here in Melbourne, inner city Melbourne. And, you know, I work very hard. I've had the opportunity to work very hard and I've been rewarded for that. And, uh, you know, I think if you're going all right... Uh, this has been an absolute pleasure. I've yeah, had such a too. good time talking to you. Um, thank you so much for sharing everything. Um, are you watching the footy every weekend? I've stopped watching. Yeah, I can imagine. I'm paying that. attention to the top teams. I yeah. think West Coast are looking really interesting. And they're, 
you know, I think uh, Melbourne are looking really interesting. And, you yeah. know, yeah, fuck Melbourne. But at the end of the day, good on them. You know what I mean? <laughs> if the Saints were up there, if the Saints were giving it a nudge yeah. in a way that Melbourne was, or even just a little bit less and not as good, but still giving it a nudge, then I'd be fuck Melbourne. But, you know, I don't know what happened to St Kilda this year, except that St Kilda happened to St Kilda this year. Yeah. It's just classic Saints. <laughs> but if anything, it's kind of nice. It is kind of nice. It's yeah. back to where I'm comfortable like, as a St Kilda. This is what I know. We're down here again. Good. I mean, the Arias last year, you know, we got a few noms, but I honestly wasn't expecting to get one, you know. Yeah. But the thing is, the people who were nominated in my category who won, who I expected would win, were my friends. So I liken that to being a St Kilda supporter at finals time, you know. <laughs> I can just go and I can just, I can just watch the finals. And I can just have a good time. And I can be happy for my mate who goes for Hawthorne or I can be happy for my mate who goes for Sydney. Or, you know what I mean? It was a nice way to do it. Uh, Dan, it's been a pleasure, mate. Thank Thanks, you very man. much. Cheers.